Hey, Hawk family and community, and those of you who are new, welcome. I hope that you continue to subscribe and join into our Hawk family. My name is Coach Drexel, and I'm dedicated to helping kids and family build their future both in baseball and life. I am not better than you guys. I am learning with you, and today I'll be learning with you as I have my special guest, Ernest. He's going to be diving into the aspect of baseball, both on the field and off the field, and he's also going to share his experiences as a fellow black individual in baseball and being one of the first coaches as a African-American in his community and also in baseball history. So I think that this podcast is going to give us a lot of perspective and growth. And I hope that you enjoy this podcast with me. Ernest, you there? Drexel, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. What can we learn from you today? I'm so excited about it. And uh, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, first and foremost, shout out to all the Hawk family and uh, Hawker Knights that's out there and everything like that, man. Drexel, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I know you got viewers in the East Coast, other countries and everything. Well, listeners, I'm sorry, um, in the East Coast and other countries. Uh, Coach Ernest Horton from Chicago, Illinois, a.k.a. Coach E. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Coach E, OF Guru. Um, and coaching baseball, this is my 13th year in the inner cities of Chicago and the Chicagoland area. Currently a resident of Bearwood, Illinois. That's the western suburbs, right outside Chicago. But um, primarily the work is being done in the inner cities of Chicago for baseball. Um, grew up on the south side of Chicago in an area called Chatham, a little bit um, outside of Inglewood. Went to Hyde Park Career Academy. Big shout out to President Obama. That's the area that he's from. You know, he's always going to be our president. Um, got was fortunate enough to be blessed with a baseball scholarship to University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Played four years down there. Got a degree in health and PE teaching. Got my master's degree from DePaul in 2013. Um, been coaching from kids age five through 18. So I touch I touch a vast variety of kids, man. Um, one of the biggest things that you talked about, you know, in our pre-conversation before the recording was um, the amount of work that goes on off the field, right? When you're a coach, you're, you're that kid's mom, dad, auntie, uncle, cousin. You got to kick them in their butt when they need it. And you got to pat them on their butt when they need it. You know what I mean? Uh, we're not here to hinder. We're always here to help. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And so what, what has that been like for you as a coach out in Chicago, I know that one of the things that you have talked about on social media is being one of the first, you know, few of the African-American coaches that are out there, right? Absolutely. Well, here, here's the thing, Drex. You know, basketball is king in Chicago, Chicagoland area. But a lot of people don't know the history behind baseball. At one point in time, in the 60s and 70s, there were more blacks in Chicago playing baseball. Now, I'm not that old, but... My father-in-law had sat me down, shout out to Terry Love, Murray State Hall of Fame in football and everything, but he gave me a history on how everybody in Chicago and Chicagoland area played baseball. That what brought the community together. And I think, you know, no shot to, no, no, no point, pun intended to Michael Jordan, you know, but when Michael Jordan hit Chicago, man, kids put that bat and, that bat and ball down. And then also, if you want to talk about the economic um, disparities behind it. Baseball, the price of it, if you look at the history behind it from the 80s to the early 2000s, the price has risen tremendously. And I get it, you know, um, it's big brand companies that drive the price up, right? But that that took 
that took a lot out of the black community also. So the popularity of basketball growing and the cost of baseball, I mean, that, that killed us, right? For the black community in baseball. Now you gotta look at, you know, just to give you an example, look at the cost of baseball right now. On the average, it's gonna cost $2,500 just to play on a travel team to get good coaching and good comp competitive games opposed to in the night, well, early 90s, 80s, 70s, and 60s, you can go to any park in Chicago and see kids playing baseball from sun up to sundown with, and here's another factor, with influential black men coaching them and leading them. You know, so you, you, you it's a, it's a, it's so many layers that goes into that of why the decline of baseball in Chicago. I'm just talking about Chicago now, um, but I think that's kind of scratching the surface, kind of the three biggest points to bring it back, the cost of the game, the popularity of basketball, and primarily, you know, Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan, their success, and then the absence of the black man in the community. And so I can see that in, in all aspects too, even in any area that the uh, baseball has gone down because of that, but I can see how it, it, it even fluctuates even higher because it's statistically as an African-American in, in the United States, you were at one point making less than everybody else. And it's unfortunately to say that, but it, it's true. If you look at data in the past, that's been a proven process. And also in the Chicago area, it's been lower income individuals more than anything as they continue to progress. Now we're starting to get into a better direction, but still it's a struggle. And you're right. The average person going into baseball is going to be around twenty five hundred dollars to fifty. Oh, sorry, forty five hundred to five thousand dollars for people to be able to play into baseball into a travel ball team competitively to see competitive baseball and and basketball. You got shoes and a you know basketball. Basketball isn't that expensive. You can go to any local place and get a basketball for 20 30 bucks versus you know baseball you got to buy a about a hundred dollar bat a forty dollar glove and a bag fleet you know you there's so much more gear in baseball so i can see how that affected the aspect of baseball getting degraded in value and perspective versus now it's like okay do we have the money to do that? Especially with with and the price of living going up without the actual income going up with it. Absolutely. And then to add on, when you talk about the bags, the cleats and everything, let's look at, let's, now let's unlayer something else. Let's look at what Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour do for the black community in, I'll say Chicago, New York, LA. Like kids, it's sponsored AAU teams where kids don't have to pay for anything, right? They put their money into the community by giving out shoes, giving all the equipment that the kids need to keep the game of basketball going in our urban communities. But if you turn around and look at baseball, yeah, Major League Baseball does an awesome job, right? I'm not here to knock them. But it's not. it, it can't compare to what the brands of Nike and Adidas and Under Armour are doing for basketball in the inner cities. Like, I see yeah. it, right? I see the, the, the sales reps come to high schools and – get a truck and open up the truck and say, hey, get some shoes. I have yet to see that with baseball. I have yet to see that. 
It's a good thing to look into. I definitely think that it's a it's a different thing. And I, I know for sure, uh, I personally know uh, the vice president of Rawlings, which is uh, Bobby. And Bobby and I, I talk to him all the time about giving away uh, equipment, which he does already. So I know that there's definitely Absolutely. people who are making the effort, but I don't, I, I would say that I would agree with you that not enough brands, there's not enough baseball brands to be uh, supporting that effort, I, could, I guess I can say. Because if you think about it, Absolutely. there's not necessarily that many baseball brands. There's maybe two or three. No, you got, you got the two kings. You got the two kings. I call them the two kings. Rawlins and Wilson, and everybody else is kind of figuring their way out. You know what I mean? You got Rawlins and Wilson, which they set the demand on gloves, right? A Rawlins glove to get a really good Rawlins glove that'll last you, let's say, anywhere from life expectancy of a glove is five to ten years. Yeah. What is that? You, you got to pay three hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's the, but then you can you can get a cheapy one for a year. Uh, <laughs> so then you're basically paying for. The amount over time, uh, absolutely, so, because it's not you know last as long. So it's it's you want to pay up front or you want to pay over time. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting in that aspect. And then that so the that's the interesting aspect to it. I know that there's a lot of uh, new baseball. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Bats companies that are coming out, but they're wood bats and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, well it's cool that you guys there's more wood bat company coming out, but we need more metal bat for the kids that are playing because we need cheaper and more affordable baseball bats for the kids because Absolutely. it's all it's, under armor and Nike. Nike has literally stopped altogether into making stuff for baseball. If you look at all of the new equipment that they've had made, it's not, it's nothing compared to the amount of new equipment they have made for all of the other sports. If you look at it, it's almost like Nike has almost literally stopped maybe one or two items every single year. But if you look at it, it's like, okay, um, they're just there because they, they're a big brand. So that people trust them. They're not actually trying to innovate and progress the, the game of baseball. So it's kind of interesting in that aspect. Yeah, you know, and Nike's a business. So if baseball wasn't giving them the return on the investment, you know, they're like, hey, we got to move on. Well, and that, that's that interesting that you say that because I actually uh, listened to a podcast recently about the, um, the value of baseball and college baseball. If you look at college baseball, college baseball is actually one of the, the – it doesn't even make a profit. Majority of colleges that are having baseball programs don't even make any money. They actually lose money for the school. The only reason they're at flow and they're okay is because the, the coaches are bringing in students to their school. But if you yep. look at the economic side of baseball, majority of athletic directors will tell you that baseball loses them money. It's one of the things that baseball is working on right now, trying to get it to there's, I think there's uh, about like 20 college coaches right now that's been working together, trying to get it to where college baseball can start a month later 
so that kids have a month worth of school so that they have a better school to uh, sports ratio. And also, so that way they're starting school on the right foot so they're not as stressed out so they can perform better. And then on the flip side, also, that means that there are more kids and people who are able to go to the game because it is now later on to the spring versus in the beginning of baseball is normally cold. People don't go to the right. game. But if you waited a month yeah. where it's more warm, people will go to the game. And so the other thing, too, is that baseball is the one of few sports that it's not like basketball or football. It's not like they just show up for one game and that's it. They're, they're playing Absolutely. a three-game weekend. It's best two out of three. And then on the Astro Championship Tournament, they're going best three out of five. And then into the World Series of College, it's based, they're uh, four out of seven. So you yeah. can imagine that, you know, baseball is going to be kind of hard to have consistent people showing up. And you, we always so, know, hey, football is Sunday. The popularity of football has shot through the roof because people know Sunday is football day. Even people who don't even watch football know football is on Sunday. But when you ask about baseball, people are like, oh, there's a game here, there's a game there, there's a game here, and there's a game there. So it makes it a little interesting to see uh, the aspect of baseball and how is it that the the value of baseball and the actual money that comes into baseball seems to be fluctuated be, based on the season and when they start. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that's man, that's heavy, man. That's that, you are a baseball encyclopedia, man. That's awesome. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this much. Colleges trying to put set the season back and everything. I, I applaud what they're trying to do. I also, I also believe that for college baseball, the game has to become more exciting, right? Um, meaning when you watch a game, let's say the WBA, right? The uh, World Baseball Cup. I mean, not WBA, WBC World Baseball Cup, right? You got Puerto Rico, their fans are beating on drums. You know, you got Cuba. Like, it, the games are are more intense. You can see the pride. You can see the energy within the fans and the players. Um, I think kind of one of the drawbacks from people actually going to attend college baseball games are there's, they're not exciting anymore, right? You know, there's no – It's a slower-paced uh, game. Yeah, in college, you know – the quote unquote play the game the right way, which is a whole nother topic, right? There's no flash, there's no excitement. Like kids get kids get demerits or get, you know, frowned upon for a bat flip now. And coach some college coaches are, you know, militant where they're saying, Hey, you hit a home run, you put your head down, you run around the bases, give a high five, that's it. But when you look at Fernando Tatis Jr. and Tim Anderson, who make the game exciting, right? It needs to be some excitement for the game of college baseball to get fans to come. And not only that, but the college baseball has to have stands. If you look at bingo, if you look at the majority of colleges, baseball fields and softball fields, their fields don't have a stadium. 
if you look at the D1 schools where they have the most exciting game, it's because they actually have stadiums around the baseball field or the softball field. If you look mm. at the Gators, look at the Gators. The Gators are well known for having the most hyped up softball in the history of softball. And you know why? Because they have a stadium that is literally really close to the players. The players are involved with the audience. They're literally that close to them and they can they scream, they shout, they have their own routine. You know, the the it's just the aspect of having a stadium changes everything. Because if you look and go to the average college place, they don't have a stand. What they have is what we call the little league benches, where they have maybe four or five, <laughs> you know, four or five benches, and you can't really block it off and say, oh, we're going to charge you five, ten bucks for you to be able to sit down, basically. Because everyone's going to be willing to stand off to the side to watch the game. They're not going to pay five, ten bucks to get into the game that they can clearly see from five feet away from the bench. So, like, the little league, you know, benches – it's not going to cut it. Like you have to create comfort and you have to create a actual environment. They're not, they're not enough coaches and facilities that create that environment. The, if you really think about it, intensity goes way up when there's an actual stadium. Think about it. Let, let me, let me use mm. the example of the little league field, right? If you go to the little yeah. league field, with the benches around, right? It's the little league benches that I call them. The average person is not going to be all that excited. And also, the kids aren't going to be that intense. But if you go to the big league of field, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. I'm, follow I'm following yeah, along. So that big field of dream is a big old facility that has over usually five, uh, five to seven baseball around the whole facility then they have a soccer field in the middle that turns into a hockey rink and everything else you can imagine when someone shows up to that the team and the kids and the parents they're gonna they have a much higher expectation and a much more intensified uh paying attention to the game because there is a much bigger environment and not only that but every single field has a stadium around it Every single field has seating like a real baseball field when you go to the professional baseball field. There's real seating around it. There's food. There's real food. So then as a result, it intensifies. The environment is intensified just by that. And then as a result, the audience, the people who are playing, their intensity goes up. So I think that that is a huge component to the game of baseball as well. Because if you think about it, if you're more comfortable and you're in closer to the game, it's so much more to enjoy. Hey, hey, Drex, I think you got an ebook uh, that you need to come out with: the science of creating fans for baseball. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it, dog. I will buy that. E I will buy that ebook, and you should charge every college coach that. That was awesome, man. Oh man, that was awesome. You just taught me something. I didn't even. I didn't even think that far. On the land and the scope of it, that's, hey, man, I'm, I'm, man, thank you so much. You just taught me something, man. Wow. Yeah, because that's if you so, think yeah, about yeah, it, yeah, if you yeah, go to every, yeah. every D1 school has what? A big stadium. 
Yep. They have a bigger stadium. They have a yep. huge stadium. And if you, uh, I can guarantee you, if you have any average colleges going to the D1 field to play on them, they're going to have like such a higher standard of playing the game because it's just the field is so much better. The field is much better taken care of. There's a huge stadium around them, so all they see is people and baseball. But before that, if you go to a field, you see some buildings, you see the street, you see the parking lot, you see a whole bunch of stuff. But when you're in the field and it's just surrounded with people and uh, fences and the game, it just intensifies the focus. It intensifies the whole situation. And so that's why some of the D1 colleges, I believe, get such a higher, more intensity and more people want to go visit those schools to watch the game is because they have a big stadium. If you look at the aspect of the actual competitiveness of the game, it hasn't changed. The environment has mm-hmm. changed. Mm. Mm. You dropping jewels today, man. Way somebody might be in your house with a laser, man. You you dropping too many jewels, man. <laughs> <laughs> so what what has has been going on for Chicago in the, the growth of baseball and your perspective and experiences so far? Because we talked about how, you know, it used to be baseball and then it got transferred to basketball because of the affordability and also, you know, Mac, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant bringing that, bringing that heat over the, and bringing the uprising, you know, awareness for those kids out there. Um, one of the, the things that's going on now in Chicago through the recent, I want to say, let's say 13 to 15 years, it, that's, it's been a rising African-Americans playing baseball. Um, of course, we're not nearly to where we need to be. But um, the Chicago, it's, it's a couple factors. Um, the first thing, the Chicago White Sox Amateur City Elite Program, uh, major shout out to the Chicago White Sox. They, they literally put their money where their mouth is. They put up close to a million dollars for inner city kids to have a competitive travel baseball experience with the training and the games and everything for free for the kids. Um, and the main purpose of it is to get kids college scholarships. Um, and the second thing is the grassroots level coaches, they're literally putting the game of baseball and the betterment of African-American kids before their sales. Those are the two influxes that I have saw. Um, that's making the game grow in Chicago. No, it's not where we need it to be, but we're making a difference. And no, and I got to give a couple of quick shout outs. I gave a shout out to the White Sox. The base Chicago is doing wonderful things. Karan Walker, big baseball, Ernie Radcliffe, the show baseball. You got 606 Athletics, Coach G, Jim Baseball, um, West Inglewood Tigers. You know, you got the Pullman Ballers. So you got these are a couple of local organizations that are doing awesome things for the game of baseball. Of course, Jackie Robinson West is still going on, Athletic Connection, you know. So those small baseball organizations, entities and trainers and everything like that, they're still around and they're still, you know, keeping 10 toes down at the grassroots level for the kids. I I like that. That's awesome to hear and and it's definitely something that, making an impact. I know that there's also right now here in California, I don't know if it's out and everywhere here in California, the game has been growing because there's 
a lot more uh, grants available for uh, travel ball teams out here. And not only that, but a lot of the uh, Little League programs, so, you know, the Little Le- California Little League, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it is. Shoot. But the, the Little League, you know, the official Little League of, you know, when, when they have the Little League World Series and everything. Yeah. So they're, they're partnering up with, with parents and people who want to start travel ball teams. And it's been a huge oh, nice. help in growth as well because, for, for example, myself, I've been coaching at the local baseball field. And as a result of them allowing me to, because if you think about it, it my overhead cost would be skyrocketed if I had an actual physical building and facility to do coaching. But because I have yeah. less of a cost because the field is they're letting me use the field and and or using the side of the mound on the side for the warm up to do the lesson. And that gives me the ability to have more of a more affordable lesson, first of all. And secondly, it allows me to be able to have less cost. And as a result, I'm able to help more kids get into sports because the whole goal of Hawk Baseball is to provide a platform for families and kids to become exceptional individuals and build their future both on and off the field. So being able to have that additional money pocketed for us to be able to give and donate and or give scholarship to kids to get one-on-one lessons with us so that they have some skill development to hopefully build and progress their game level is such a huge component to the growth as well. Man, that's wonderful, man. That's wonderful. And so when you said uh, gym baseball, what does that look like? So gym baseball, it's a travel baseball organization. There's two entities of it. So we have the travel baseball organization. We have the non-for-profit side. Um, The non-for-profit side, we do community events. We host free baseball clinics. We have affordable baseball camps um, when we can and everything like that. Um, We do a lot of mentor, parent development, development. and as far as parent development is one of the things that we just started, because a lot of parents, you know, when the kid is five and the mom and dad doesn't have a clue about baseball, when we talk about parent development, we take the time out 30 minutes a week to really explain the game of baseball, right? Because a lot of parents think that when you put sign your son up, that it's just going to happen. It's going to be magic. They're going to be next Derek Jeter. It doesn't happen like that. You know, baseball is a process. Um, one of our coaches with Jim, Dave Huckabee, says, is, you know, your, your player could be, like grits or greens and his analogy for grits and greens is, you know, grits is grits. When you cook grits, you put it on the stove, you put a couple things in it, it's ready two to three minutes. They're good. Right. Those are the players that come in. They grasp the concepts. They're able to get, you know, able to have great hand eye coordination, throw with good arm action, footwork, all of the above. Right. Then you got the greens, the greens, you got to pick them. You got to wash them twice. You got to slow cook them. And, you know, both of them come out to the end process of a complete baseball player, but, totally different time two totally different methods and time frames yes absolutely and i think that's important for players to also understand who they are and which one they are because if you think about it there's not everyone's going to be the quick learner and the quick uh responder and be able to be like yeah i get it and i can also execute it so i think uh the biggest thing that we have to make sure of too as coaches is are they having fun 
during those training sessions, during those times and letting them know like, hey, this is a process for you. And you got to remember that this is for you. It's not for your the people who are around you. Yeah, sure. Some of the people around you might be grafting and doing the things a little bit quicker and finding out and getting better. But it doesn't mean that you can't do the same. It just means that you have to do it differently. You have to put in more work. You have to be able to put in the grind at home. And that's where you're going to possibly pass them. Because a lot of the time, those same kids who are quick and they, they're better typically right away, they have the mindset of, I'm better. So they don't feel the need to have to do much training at home. You hit it right on, you hit, you, you hit it right on the uh, target, man, bullseye. We got a saying, the best kid at eight ain't going to be the best kid at 18. You have to continue to progress and focus on the next thing. So regardless of if you are the great or you're being, you are to be a, focusing on giving your 100% every single day to getting better. So I like that analogy. That's really cool. And that also brings up uh, the last question that I have for you. Uh, before we get into the last question, I would love for you to go ahead and do your plug one more time. Yeah, the the new I call it the new the new commercial norm. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, on Instagram, you guys can find me on Instagram as Coach E O F Guru. You guys can find me on Twitter with the same handle, Coach E O F Guru. You can find me on Facebook, Ernest Horton. You could go check out the website, gymbaseballtraining.com, and also Coach E O F Guru dot com. My email address is Coach E O F G at gmail dot com. Please don't call my cell phone after night. If you get the number, my wife will kill you. No, I'm just <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So we're going to dive into two questions that were asked of me to ask to you from my talk community. Okay. Talk community, thank you guys for asking. And also, those of you who don't know me. Shout out to the pop. <laughs> California love. Shout out to the pop. <laughs> And so thank you guys for asking the questions and remember that you can check me out on Instagram at drexel.smith, D-R-E-X-E-L.smith. And then you can mesh with me, DM me. Whenever I have a podcast that I will be doing, I will always put it on my story asking you guys, hey, I have this guest and I'm going to ask them question. Go ahead and ask me your question. And here are the two questions that I have for you for today or okay. so the first question is uh big in my perspective is they asked so this was from jonah jonah wanted to know why is it that baseball is harder but easy at the same time than most other sports well jonah that's a very good question um that question would take me four hours but i'm going to give you the 45 seconds to two minute uh rundown um, if you think about the game of baseball, right, there's a lot of standing around in baseball, right? There's a lot of anticipating and waiting in the game of baseball, right? Also, in the same token, the game of baseball moves at an accelerated rate faster than any other sport, if that makes sense to you, i.e., you have to hit a fastball going higher than the legal speed limit in all states. So when you compete, Think about it. You're going to have to hit against a fastball from 80 miles per hour all the way to 100 miles per hour. Just think about this. If you drive a car 100 miles per hour and a cop pulls you over, you in some state, that's a misdemeanor. Almost you might lose your license over there, right? So you have to hit a – and think about a baseball. Baseball is what? 
six, four to five inches, um, 120 stitches. You have to hit that with no, no idea where it's going to go. Any other sport, if I have a football in my hand, I can control where I'm going to go with the football. If I kick a soccer ball, I can control. After I swing, there's nothing else I can do besides run the bases. So hopefully that answers your question within the 45 seconds or two minutes. I would love to add on to that. That's a great point to bring up. And I actually just did uh, just publish right now and also did a podcast prior with um, a coach and pitching coach. And then he and I did the podcast together where we actually broke – he – sorry, I shouldn't say we. I mean he uh, – <laughs> because I learned from him on this. He broke it down because we were doing a podcast about mindset, and he broke, broke, it, broke, bleh, broke it down to where literally mm-hmm. a pitcher is actually spending only three minutes of physical gameplay. A batter only is going to be putting in eight seconds worth of physical swing to hit the ball. So if you can think about Mm. that, that means that there Mm. is a total of, you know, 15, 20 minutes, 18 minutes on average where the ball is actually moving or doing something out of a three Mm. hour game. Mm. So that means that mentally you are literally in a mental state at all times. That's why they say baseball is 90% mental and 10%. I mean, sorry. Uh, yeah, 90% mental and then 10% physical. Because if you really break down mm-hmm. the game in time, you're only spending 10% of it doing physical activity. The rest of it is mindset. It's about what you're thinking, what you're doing in your head. So it was cool to have that broken down to me. So, I was mentioned that to you, you know, it's going to be more mindset than anything else. But if you think about it, we do not train mindset. We train physically more than anything. Mm-hmm. We actually are flip trip. Mm-hmm. We spend 90% of our time on physically preparing and then 10% mentally. So we have to consider that as a factor of how the game is affected in that way. I agree. I agree. And so uh, the next question is from actually a parent. This is from uh, this is from Sophia. Sophia is a parent and she was asking, wanted to ask you, what is more important for me to invest in new equipment for my son or is it to invest into lessons or should I save for a camp event? What is the best way that I could spend my money to help my son get into uh, a better situation on the field? Um, I have two answers to that. So the first one is, I always say individualized instruction is king in baseball. There's there's nothing more, because we just talked about this point, right? It's a lot of downtime, right? You guys broke it down to where you only, the pitcher's three seconds and eight seconds and you know what I mean? And everything like that. So the individualized time allows that kid to get that attention it's just like it's just like let's say if your kid was having struggling was struggling in reading and you had a tutor it's the same thing in the game of baseball if your kid struggles in baseball you get a tutor you know that's the trainer i tell people that all the time would you want your kid in a classroom for 150 people doing an exercise or would you want them 
in a classroom with two to three and he gets that he or she gets that individualized attention and then the second thing is and this is not she didn't bring up any options on this um to sophia reinforce letting your child go outside and play throw rocks around hang on the monkey bars do a full out sprint to the ice cream truck, right? And I know that's kind of cliche <laughs> in ice cream and sports, yeah, but burn burn I, I, like I ten calories and then take in three hundred yeah. on the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But my, my point to that is a lot of things that you did, you know what I mean, Drex, what I did when we grew up, running around, those that is literally some little kids training. I mean biking to school. It, walking to school. Do those things that those are going to enhance those muscles that he doesn't use. That's going to get his hips into everything. I'm telling you, man, the most athletic kids are the quote unquote, the naturals, but the naturals, they all have the same commonalities. They are outside doing something. They're moving lumber they're chopping wood. You know, they're throwing snowballs. I know you guys don't got that in California. <laughs> Some parts y'all do, <laughs> but you know, they're throwing rocks. They're playing, you know, they're playing dodgeball, hide and go seek. Um, I don't know how old your, your child is, but playing those, uh, you know, sprinting, playing, shooting some hoops. Handball. Handball king right handball here, man. Alert, I'm man. a handball king. Yes. I, I legit got the reward for handball. Oh, my God. Every it, year, it, too. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it also, you know, you don't want to, you also want to keep it. And you brought up a great point, Drex, when you said, hey, keep the game fun. You want to keep your child's life fun too. You don't want them saying, "All right, I go home, I do my homework, I play Fortnite, and I go to my baseball lesson." No, man. I go home, I do my homework, I go to baseball lesson. I go outside and I go play. I come in, I wash up, I go to sleep. Go outside and play. You're you're saying to challenge the kid to go out and have fun outside of being in, stuck in a house. Yes, and create their own fun. And you will see, oh, man, he picked his glove up and just went outside and played off the wall on his own. Uh, Hand-eye coordination. Hand-eye coordination is the number one lost skill in the game of baseball. Yep. Do not lose the emphasis on hand-eye coordination. Think about this, not to go too deep, you know, but to Sophia, if you look at any ESPN classic, I'll go all the way back to the 30s, right? I'll go, they, look how Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle and – those old school baseball players, how they used to hit. No, nobody in the league right now hits like that. But they were able to do that because of hand-eye coordination. Their hands are down by their knees, right? They had big old spinning <laughs> around. But they had success because of hand-eye coordination. That's the no matter what you break it down to in baseball, it's all gonna boil down to number one, like Drex is always saying, mental. Number two, are you having fun? And the third, which is one of the most important factors. Hand-eye coordination. You get hand-eye coordination for doing natural things. I I love it. I think that's a great advice. And Sophia, I am actually going to add two things to that. Um, the first thing is that if you do decide to take them to a company or facility or coaching program, one of the things that you want to factor in is how is the program ran. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because you want to make sure that your kid, your child, is getting the most out of it. Because one of the things that I am a big, big advocate for, and Coach Justin and also Juan, both of them I connect with all the time about this. When it comes to a facility, an organization that is coaching your son, make sure that your son's not standing around. 
if your son is standing around 30% of the time, mm-hmm. 10% of the time, 20% of the time, not by uh, because they're being in, because he's being instructed on something to do, but because he's waiting for his turn. If he is spending more time standing around waiting for his turn, please find a different organization for him because you're paying for the organization to educate and teach your son. So make sure that they are spending every bit of that time on helping him. So if you decide to do a group organization to help him with that, please make sure the organization is doing multiple different things for the kids so that all of them are doing something at all times. So that's the first thing I want to give you. The second thing is I want you to look at the market that is closest to you because that's going to help you navigate and understand the cost of the different coaches and people who are coaching out there because those coaches are going to do what they can to be able to make money. So you have to be careful. Is Are you really paying for the value of what the lessons are? So for me... Hey, Drake, say that, say, Drake, say that one more time. Somebody, somebody missed that. Say that one more time. <laughs> the biggest yeah, thing that you have to remember is that coaches and organizations are trying to make money. So you have to make sure that you're getting the value in which you are paying for. So when it comes down to it, you want to make sure that one, that your kid is always moving during that time. The second thing is that you got to make sure that the organization is of value of what they are actually paying for. So what you can do is you can check out online, multiple different online uh, places and just look at their value. Now you will find that in, in sports industry, majority of the time, they don't tell you how much it costs online. Majority of them won't. The companies that do, I personally, I trust them more. I trust them personally more because they are stating to you, hey, this is how much we cost. And they're not going to fluctuate. They're not going to change anything. And so you want to really make sure that you're able to say no to when you go to the different facilities and people to see them. So if you go to a facility to see someone uh, for lessons or you go there to get to know the facility, really take notes. What is it that they're providing that another place isn't? Because that's going to change the value of what they bring to the table. So make sure you do that so that you get the most out of the money that you're paying for as well. And when it comes to uh, the aspect of, uh, of paying for deciding to get lessons or deciding to get your son a new equipment, Here's my, my biggest question to you and also one of the highest uh, said quote in baseball right now. Your son having a $400 bat is not going to fix his two-cent swing. Preach. Preach. So you have to make sure, where is your son at, at the level of his competition? Is your son at a higher level and a little bit more advanced than the kids that he's playing against right now? then yeah, maybe your investment is better to get them a, a better equipment that's going to last longer so that he has a, a equipment that he can depend on. But if he's behind and or average with the other kids, spend that money on, on one-on-one lessons or group sessions for him to get better. Because you can't have a $400 bat but have a two-cent swing. It just doesn't work that way. And the bat is not going to change his swing. But lessons and group training will change his swing. And as a result, he's going to be able to put the ball into play more. 
or pitch well or feel better. You have anything else to add to that? No, man. You, man, you, you, you're not gonna be doing this for long, man. Major League Baseball gonna hire you, dog. <laughs> so enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your freedom while it lasts, man. You got some great <laughs> things going on, man. I just want to say thank you so much for having me. Thank you, thank you for what you do in that great state of California and for those kids out there, your parents and the league. They're very blessed to have an individual like yourself, Drex. Man, I'm so happy that you know, you put this platform together and you're actually giving back to the kids. Um, just make sure that you keep going, man. It's a grind. It's a, it's a tough racket. You know, you don't, you're not, we don't get the accolades that everybody else gets and everything like that, but you're changing lives, man. So God is truly blessing you and everything that you're empowering and restoring those young men and young ladies. Hopefully they'll come back within their community or the community that they live in and do the same thing that you're doing, dog. I really appreciate you saying that. And thank you as well for joining into the podcast to share your two cents and bringing in your value and gems as well. Uh, I definitely got the opportunity to learn from you as well, understanding that there's many different aspects of things that we can even improve and do better to impact our uh, the game of baseball. Because I think that we still have a long way to go and I'm glad that we're we're going in the right direction, and I look forward to the game to grow, and I appreciate you again, Ernest, for joining into this podcast. Thank you, and those of you who are listening, thank you guys for listening. I hope that this has been a podcast that's been educational and that it has helped you, and remember, you guys, knowledge alone is not power. Implied knowledge, so use the knowledge that you have learned from today and apply it and or go ahead and start adapting it and be aware of it when you are out on the field and in life. I hope that you guys have an amazing and great day. God bless you and get after it, you guys. All right. Thanks again for having me, Drake. Yeah, absolutely.